Hey guys, it's your girl Jess. And M, do you know what day it is? Uh, Thursday, Jess. It's Thursday. Grab your call me blankie because it's Sinister Sightings Day! Whoop whoop! And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 62. And you just heard Jess R. and her cousin. And if they didn't get you excited, I don't know what will. Well, if you want to bring all that hype to a Sinister Sightings intro, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. Peruse. Check it out. All right. The first one. Hey there from New Zealand, ladies. I'm going to get straight to it. In the early 2000s, my parents bought a big house that was built by a builder for himself in the late 1950s. I was around 13 when we first moved in. The upstairs is the main house, and the downstairs is a small two-bedroom unit, which my husband and I rented off of my parents, until my first baby was two. I should also mention that no one in my family is religious, but my sister's mom and I are all what I'd call sensitive to the paranormal. Sorry if this is a long one. So as soon as we moved in, I would see shadowy figures in the upstairs hallway. One in particular felt threatening. He would stand by the front door sometimes, especially if I was coming home later at night. And other times, he would stand at the end of the hallway by my childhood bedroom door. Sometimes, when I was laying in bed at night, I could feel him watching me from the doorway. But he wasn't the only presence I felt. Every now and then, we would hear the door to the downstairs kitchen slam. And I mean, it would slam so hard that it would shake the mirror on the corresponding wall upstairs. But when we would go to check the door, because it was glass, it wouldn't just be closed, but bolted shut the exact way we left it before going to school, work, whatever. So there's literally no way it could have slammed like that since it wouldn't have ever been open. I later found out that one of the previous couples that had owned the house in the 70s had had a violent relationship. The wife used to run downstairs and out of that kitchen door to the neighbor's house to escape her husband. I wonder if it was him that I felt in the hallway upstairs. The other spirit my eldest sister and I had both seen around, we believed to be the original builder slash owner of the house. We both saw him standing outside looking back at the corner of the house for a couple of weeks. We later discovered severe water damage that was occurring to the corner of the foundation. We also believed that he kept opening a cupboard door in the hallway where the fire extinguisher was kept for a few days before a small electrical fire occurred up in the roof space. I think he was trying to look after the house even after all these years. When my now husband and I rented the unit below the house, our cats used to be super scared of everything. We'd both stare at seemingly nothing and would sometimes hiss at thin air, then run off to hide in another room. Since we have moved out, they are both completely calm and one barely moves at all, so definitely not running anywhere. I used to get a lot of vivid dreams, nightmares, where I could see shadowy figures standing at the foot of my bed. That has also stopped since we moved out. And lastly, in that little unit, when I would come home after work, it would smell like not stale smoke, but like someone had just lit a cigarette. 
No one in the house smoked, so I always associated that smell with being visited by someone. I felt like maybe it was the abused wife, just chilling out down there away from her creepy husband's presence. Even now, yes, my parents still live there, we often hear footsteps upstairs when no one is there, or I can hear a car pull up the long driveway, usually around five minutes before an actual car pulls up. Ghost giving us the early warning for visitors, maybe? Anywho, thanks for reading and for creating such an awesome podcast that is a wonderful, safe space for people to share stories like these. From A. Holy crap. Well, one, I love the Builder Ghost because he's helpful as fuck. Mm -hmm. You just have to know to, like, look for what he, you know what I mean? Yeah. You just have to kind of figure out his end game. Yeah. Wow. And that's so sad about the couple who were in that bad relationship. Hopefully she didn't have to put up with his stupid ass the whole time. Right. In eternity. Hi, girls. Let me just start out by saying that I love your podcast. I recently discovered you while browsing podcasts on Spotify, and I'm hooked to your Sinister Sighting episodes. Your guys' friendship reminds me of my friendship with my best friend, Julian. I'm 27 from Nova Scotia, Canada. Holy shit, I just covered a Nova Scotia story this week, this past Monday. Hmm. I have two small stories to share with you about my great-grandparents. When I was eight years old, my great-grandfather passed away. He and my great-grandmother lived in a very small town, and our whole family traveled up for his funeral. During the whole ceremony, the church had power. Once the funeral was either almost done or completely done, I can't totally remember which one it was because it was so long ago, the church lost power. People in my family said it was a sign that he was received in heaven. After his passing, my great-grandmother moved closer to the family and went into an apartment building specifically for older folks. She was heartbroken without him as they really were best friends and had the sweetest relationship. My aunt and uncle were visiting her when it happened. They were mid-conversation and she just passed away. It's good to know that it happened quickly and she didn't have any pain, but it was nonetheless devastating to the family. We went to her funeral in her small hometown a week or so later. Being a little kid, I was very upset over the passing of a family member and asked my parents if I could sleep in their room with them. They said yes and brought my mattress into their bedroom and set it up on the floor for me. The night that this event happened, I believe my mom was out to dinner for a meeting with work and my dad was home with me. We went to bed and I had trouble sleeping. I did fall asleep though, only to be awoken a little while later by a noise. I assumed it was my dad snoring or something and went back to sleep. A little while later, I was again awoken by a whisper in my ear. My eyes shot open and I saw my great-grandmother standing beside my bed. I was so confused. I looked at her and watched her walk from beside my bed to my parents' bedroom doorframe where my great-grandfather was standing. They joined hands and said, we are together now, follow us, and started to walk down the hall. Oh my God. I followed them down the hall, which was a straight line, and then turned left to a staircase leading to the living room. Once they reached the staircase, though, they vanished into thin air. I didn't know what to make of this. It was my first time seeing anything like this, and it terrified me. I went down to the living room and sat in a chair with the blanket, crying. When my mom got home from her meeting, she asked me why I was crying. 
I told her what happened and she just gave me a hug. She believed me 100%. My mom has seen some stuff in her day as well. Thanks for sharing my story on your podcast. It will be so cool to hear it being read by you guys. Creep it real and don't get scared, Erica L. Oh my God, Erica. I wonder, like, what were they trying to show you? Yeah, follow us. Follow us where? Yeah. That's so sweet. Like, that's a true love story. You know, that just makes me think about just how sad it is for people who lose a spouse, a partner, when they've been together for decades like that. And it's like, and they're older like that, because it's like their entire world is turned upside down. Yeah. Not only does the love of their life and probably the person that they've been with longer than they haven't, like my parents were high school sweethearts. They've been married 52 years, you know, like they've been together basically their whole lives now. But when one passes away and the other one has to deal with that, but also give up their house and all that to move closer to family. It's like there's so many things they have to mourn. They have to mourn the loss of obviously loved one and the loss of their house, the loss of some sort of some semblance of independence, all these things. And it just is so heartbreaking. They're so strong. They really are. Hey, little Donna. Hey, Carrie. I have tons of stories to share, and I've been meaning to write an email for a while. Since y'all get mostly paranormal things, I thought I would start my email off with some sort of true crime. Oh, yeah. Okay, story number one. My mom had us kids very young. Sister at 16, brother at 17, and myself when she was 21. My dad was an abusive alcoholic. It was the 80s, so my grandma made her marry him. Oh, the 80s. She did leave him and file for divorce, but he would come back and terrorize her. So this is the story of how he kidnapped me and my siblings. He punched my mom in the face, threw her out the back door of the apartment, and locked it. Instead of fighting, she ran about three miles nonstop down the road to get my grandfather. By the time she had gotten back, we were all gone. He and his sister-in-law had taken the three of us about an hour and a half north of Toronto to a place called Aurelia. My mom understandably freaked out since he did it to mess with her and had no desire to take care of us. She told him to bring us back by morning or she would be sending my grandfather, a very large man whose nickname was Tiny, you didn't want to fuck with. Also, could she have called the cops? Yes, But as a young black mom in the 80s and my dad a white man, they never took her seriously. My grandpa was the better threat. When returned, we were filthy. I was literally in the same diaper and covered in a nasty rash, which is because I had meningitis as a baby, so my diaper had to be changed as soon as I was wet because my skin was so thin it would blister. God... Which shows that, no, he didn't really want to take care of us, just wanted to hurt my mama. I actually learned of this story two years ago on Mother's Day when I took my mom to lunch. She just mentioned casually, oh, you know, when W kidnapped you, I was like, skirt, excuse me. Story two, the time I was almost kidnapped and trafficked as a teen. After moving south of Toronto, I grew up in a border town. My friend and I used to like to cross over into Niagara Falls, New York from Canada to get snacks we couldn't get here. Fat kid for life. (laughs) (laughs) 
This trip was cursed from the start. So it was probably early 2000s when we get to the border and are immediately told to sit and wait because a plane was missing. They lost a plane between Buffalo and Toronto. After 20 minutes, they located it. We were sent on our merry way. On the way, we passed a weird drunk man who looked like a great value Stephen Tyler who tries to hit on me. And I'm like 17. So we're finally over in the U.S. An older man walks up in jail clothes and begins to cry, saying he just got out of prison and needs money. I said, sorry, bud, I only have Canadian on me. Tears instantly dry up and he walks away. We continue on our adventure, deciding not to go too far into downtown, but my fat ass needed Nutter Butters. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. So we were walking down the main drag downtown Niagara Falls when a Denali begins to follow me and my friend. I'm like, do you see this? Is it just me? Nah, she notices it too. So we walk faster. They try to pull up, but they're on the other side of the street. So they pull a U-turn and come towards us. That's when my flight instinct kicks in. I could see the SUV was full of large men. So I'm like, bitch, run. Grab her arm and we book it down the street. I see a gas station and I'm like, in there. This bitch is slow. I'm like, you're skinny and I'm the chunky one. Why do I got to lead? So as we're running, they speed up, driving on the wrong side of the road trying to get us. We make it into the parking lot as they pull into the lot across the street and park, just staring at us. I cry. My friend is stunned. And the cashier says, if y'all aren't buying anything, you got to leave. Well, I really needed Nutter Butters now. So I grab a few boxes. We tell the cashier what's up and we wait for the man to leave. When they were gone, we book it back to the border and get our asses back to Canada. We never went across like that again. I have some more stories, paranormal, and some true crime, let's not meet type shit, but I'll have to write another email. Sorry this is long. Creep it real and don't walk alone downtown Niagara Falls, either side of the border, to be honest. Love, Sheena. Holy crap. One, hilarious. Just the details, the nutter butters, the great value Steven Tyler. Yes, But holy crap, that's super scary. Also, fuck that convenience store worker for being like, you got to buy something or you got to go. The fuck I don't call the cops. Right? You got two teen girls in there scared of somebody in a fucking SUV across the street. Sidebar, one of my friends just casually dropped a kidnapping story the other day. What? Yeah. She was like, Yeah, when I was a kid, my dad uh, kidnapped me and took me to Costa Rica, which is where he was from. And she, like, lived down there for a while with his family, like, went to school for, like, like six months or something. What? Like, he enrolled her in school and everything, and he came back to the States, like, to pretend like he didn't have her. Wow. Yes. Damn. The mom, like, had to, like, save up money to be able to go get her from Costa Rica. That is crazy. Yes. Hey, girls. I thought of another story. I sent some spooky stuff a week or so ago, and I hope it's okay to share more than once. Uh, Hell yeah. Share all you want. You know, Carrie's scared that we're going to run out. I really am. It's a a real fear. (laughs) (laughs) To preface this, this story is kind of sensitive, and I feel like my family would be upset if it somehow got back to them that I shared certain elements of it. 
So I need to make some very light edits, names and the such. If you decide to tell this one, it would be awesome if you just called me Mindy. So when I was a kid, I was very close to my cousin. Let's call her Jane. Jane was 20 years older than me, and I admired her so much. She loved horses. She used to call them Hodies, loved the show Hey Arnold, and loved to travel. We used to have slumber parties where we'd talk about all of the adventures we could take when I was older, and one of the places we'd talk about was Spain. I was really young at the time, and I didn't know much about Spain, but she made it sound really exciting. What I didn't know was that for most of her adult life, Jane was severely depressed. I only saw snippets of it, manic and depressive episodes that at the time I just thought were bad moods. Sadly, she took her own life when I was 10. Oh, God. Which was really hard on me and my family. I found it really difficult to find closure because she didn't leave a note and didn't say goodbye. And you know when you lose someone and you still feel their presence sometimes just through vibes and dreams? This wasn't like that. When she was gone, she was gone. I have a lot of dreams about loved ones who have passed away where we talk and such, but Jane has only appeared in maybe two or three dreams since, and it's been 20 years now. When she does make an appearance, she just stands there and doesn't speak. In the last 20 years, I've grown up and moved forward with my life. Three years ago, I bought a house and got a remote job where I could travel as much as possible, which was a dream come true because I'm a writer and I love to see new places. After I got the job, I went to Iceland, Ukraine, Jordan, etc., I've got one or two wild spooky stories from abroad if you want them. Uh, yes, we do. Right? I 100 ditto that. (laughs) Well, in 2019, I decided to take a trip to Europe that included Iceland again and Spain. As you can imagine, even with my amazing cheap flight hacking, the trip wasn't going to be cheap. But more on that in a minute. A few months before the trip, I found out that a huge role model of mine had also committed suicide. I had never met him, but it still felt really personal to me, and it rustled all of these feelings up about my cousin. I was thinking about her a lot leading up to the trip, especially since I was going to Spain. Well, a week or so before I had to book the final part of the trip, I ran into some financial challenges. I realized that I was about $500 short of what I needed to book the last flights to Spain. I was going through a lot at the time, and this was just the cherry on top. I remember sitting on my couch alone, crying, just thinking about that number. $500. $500. I didn't have it, so I would probably need to cancel that part of the trip. I didn't tell anyone, not even my live-in boyfriend, about the dilemma. A few days later, my parents came to town to visit. They were acting really weird, and finally, my mom asked if she could speak to me privately. She told me that she had been receiving odd phone calls from an unknown number for the past few years that she assumed was spam, but very recently realized was not. It was a life insurance company that had literally been trying to contact my mom since my cousin's mother died nearly 10 years ago. That's 20 years of not being able to reach anyone in my mom's family. Turns out my cousin's mother had purchased a life insurance policy for my cousin when she was born. My mom and dad had decided to split the money between my sister and me since we were both close to my cousin and thought she would want that. 
my half, $500. Wow. I bawled my eyes out. I don't know what happens after we go, but it's nice to think that wherever my cousin is, even if she can't communicate with me, she still got my back. Creep it real, Mindy. Wow. Wow. Oh my gosh. I got chills reading that. Just thinking about like, if you're like, oh my gosh, I can't communicate with her like I can communicate with other people. Mm -hmm. But then you get this and it's like, okay, like this is validation. Oh yeah, absolutely. Also, thank you so much for sharing that because I know that that had a lot of really personal stuff in it. And if anybody has an email like that, that they, you know, want to share the information, but it is very personal and private. You can be anonymous. You can use a fake name. We don't even have to know that you use a fake name. You know, just say, hey, my name's Bob. And you could be Cindy Lou. We don't care. Hey, Donna and Carrie. I love your podcast and have been binge listening since the day I found you guys. I just finished listening to a podcast, episode 37 to be exact. And it was a story about premonition. So I had to share my story. I have always been someone who was sensitive with feelings, either having a bad feeling of something is going to happen or is happening. So this story takes place a couple of months before my uncle passed away. Me and my uncle were not getting along well before he passed away, which I have so much guilt over and I'm working on it. Right before he passed, I had a dream. The dream went like this. I was arguing with my uncle how he wasn't taking care of himself. He was really sick and... He passed due to complications of his illness. I ended up calling my mom to vent and she told me, Sabrina, you're going to regret saying this. Then my dream goes to his funeral. This dream haunts me to this day because before my uncle passed away, we got into an argument. I called my mom to vent to her and she said word for word what she said in my dream. The next day, my uncle passed. It's been six years and I regret everything. This isn't the first time this has ever happened to me. I get those dreams of someone passing away, and then they actually pass away either that month or I'll wake up and I'm being told they passed. For example, when I was in ninth grade, my mom's cousin drowned, and we had no idea about it until the next day. But I dreamed about it way before we got the news. And everything that happened played out exactly the way they do in my dream. IDK, what do you girls think? I love the podcast so much. Keep going, girls. XOXO, Sabrina from New Hampshire. Uh, Yeah, I totally believe that that's a thing. Yeah, for sure. Sounds like you and Tiffany can link up and be a... Uh, Fucking rule the world. Right? Angels of death. Only Tiffany causes it. She just knows about it. Uh-huh. That's like a really cool thing, but also really hard, too. Yeah, I mean, do you tell them, like, I had a dream you are going to die? Like, you know what I mean? That's a lot of power. Yeah. Hey, girls. I love listening to your podcast. Just started following you and have been binge listening since. And I love that you creep it real and use all the swear words because they're my favorite. Good, because we've gotten reviews. (laughs) Definitely. Anyway, I've got a couple of creepy stories that I can think of off the top of my head, but I'll just send one because it might be a little long and I'll save the others for another email. Also, I'm going to try to spell everything correctly and use correct punctuation, but I might end up rambling. Anyway, to begin, when I was a little girl, my aunt was very mentally ill and just very unhappy. 
She was extremely overweight and married to an asshole who would comment about her weight and I think also had a couple of affairs. Fuck him. Right? Sorry, that's very aggressive, but fuck him. Yes. Also, her daughter died in a car accident when she was a teenager. This was before I was born, but my middle name is after her. She felt guilty about it because from what I've heard, her daughter wouldn't have been out because my uncle had told her no, but my aunt let her go out with her boyfriend anyway. Fast forward like 20 years and she's gotten a divorce and she had been struggling with eating disorders and just an overall bad mentality about weight and everything for a very long time. But things started looking up when she had moved into the house next to my grandma's. I think I was in kindergarten, maybe first grade, but I still remember going over every single weekend morning and we would have breakfast with her at my grandma's and she was finally gaining some weight and looking healthy and just coming to a better place and getting peace of mind. Or so we thought. One day she didn't come over and no one had heard from her, so my dad and I walked next door to get her, thinking maybe she had slept in. The doors were all locked and so were the windows, but we could see into her room, but she wasn't in bed. And we could see into the living room and the TV was on and it looked like she was in her recliner. My dad must have obviously known things were bad because we immediately went back to grandma's and my mom and her sisters called 911. I stayed with my grandma and everyone else went next door and waited for the ambulance. I don't remember anything else after that, except nobody would tell me anything. I just knew it was bad. Skip forward to where I was older and my mom and I were talking. By now, I had known that my aunt had died from a drug overdose. My mom told me that she was spooked looking back on that day because after everything was said and done and she was pronounced dead and there was nothing more we could do except go home, that we all got into the car and my mom was crying and I told her that Aunt Cherry, that's what I called her, her name was Cheryl, said that you don't have to cry and she knows that you're mad at her but she's okay and happy now. I have no memory of this, but I completely believe in paranormal, ghosts, angels, everything. And in a way, I'm so happy that I was able to experience her, even though I can't remember it. My mom also said that sometimes at night, I'd wake up and go into her bedroom and tell her that Aunt Cherry was sitting on my bed just watching me, and I wanted her to go away so I could sleep better. Nothing has changed. I still cherish my sleep. I mean, same. These stories don't spook me out like they used to, and I do find myself getting kind of teary-eyed writing this email. I'm 24 now, and I have my own kids, and I haven't heard them mention anything about any visitors, but I think that I'd be happy to know that their family members who have passed on are still able to watch my beautiful boys and amazing stepkids grow up and find their place in the world. Sorry that this is so long. I love listening to all of the sinister sightings on the podcast, and you girls are my go-to when I'm cleaning or trying to work out or just sitting in my room with a bottle of wine having my mommy time. Love you guys so much, Jennifer. Wow. It's crazy, too, because it's, like, so pure coming from a child like that that, like, you know it's real. Yeah. Because it's too pure, and, and you can't, you couldn't know to say that. Exactly. And Jennifer, I so relate to you. My Uncle Bob actually died by suicide by a drug overdose, and my mom found him in his recliner. You know, so, like, when I was reading that, it was like, whoa. It just hit home. To think about what your dad 
saw and knew immediately. Mm-hmm. Like, so did my mom. Okay, the next one. Hey, girls, I just recently started listening to your podcast, and I love it. I work night shift at a hospital watching heart monitors in a room all by myself, so some of your stories really send chills up my spine. I still love them, though. I wanted to share a quick story from my time working night shift at a nursing home. I worked as an STNA from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. Well, they say people die in threes, and it's definitely true. Weird thing is, the place I worked had their own little grim reaper. Residents would start talking about a little boy in a striped shirt carrying a red ball. He was also missing an eye. When he showed up, three residents would pass and then he would disappear and the others would stop talking about him. Well, one night we had a resident who was slowly dying and as I walked past her room, I felt something touch my hand. It felt like a small, very cold hand as if a child was wanting to hold my hand. I quickly pulled my hand up to my chest, apologizing to the little ghost boy and walked or rather jogged to the nurse's station where the other girls were. I've seen and heard lots of crazy things working in nursing homes and the hospital, so I have plenty of other stories, but that one has got to be the craziest because I actually felt it. Thank you, too, for the podcast, and keep up all the great stories. Why's it got to be a little kid? And why he's missing an eye? I mean, I guess older people love little kids, but... Just older people. Not. (laughs) Well, she said that she worked in nursing homes. That's what I'm saying. Like, well, they do love little kids. So that might be comforting to them. Yep. Missing the eye. Well, it might be endearing to them. I don't know. Why's he got to be missing an eye? I don't know about that. And I mean, like, is it like he wears a patch? (laughs) So you know he's missing an eye? Or is it like, like a creepy, like, horror movie missing an eye? I don't want to see him. I don't want to find out. Because, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, if it's just like, oh, he's, it's not that big of a deal. Like, got a glass eye, got a patch, got something like that. You know, it's just like, it's just who he is. Cool. But is it like a horror movie? And have the residents not picked up on that? Because I feel like I would be like, oh, fuck. Glad I saw the boy with the striped shirt on. Somebody's dying. Thank you so much for that story. But, yes, send in all of those kind of stories. I love that kind of stuff. Hello, Carrie and Donna. Happy New Year. (laughs) Well, so far, uh, hasn't been a good one. (laughs) My name is Chelsea, and I wanted to send you some of my personal experiences. Please feel free to use my name and also recommend me other podcasts you enjoy, as I've already binged yours, The Ghost Story Guys, Bedtime Stories, Two Girls, One Ghost, and Ghost in the Burbs. Well, Ghost in the Burbs is going to be my recommendation, so I don't fucking know. I would say, and that's why we drink. Let's not meet. Ooh, let's not meet. Haunted Happenstance and the Haunted Heart. I was about to say the Haunted Heart. Golden Ghouls? Golden Ghouls, definitely. And Southern Gothic. Yes, yes, yes. His voice is like butter. Thank you for keeping me company during the quiet, mundane moments of my life, like vacuuming the dining room at a retirement home I just started working in, or while I organize my room and giving me a good scare here and there. Love the rapport you ladies have. Keep doing what you do best. Argue? That's what you mean? Yeah, we always do that. (laughs) (laughs) No, but really, thank you. 
I feel as though for me, I've always had the pleasure of a free running imagination and an interest in all things creeptastic. Thanks to my parents, I believe I'm somewhat predisposed to having certain experiences. As much as she wouldn't like to admit it, my diehard skeptical mother has had her fair share of visits from her guardian angel. My father, which shockingly she has only shared with me recently, as well as my dad, who loves to talk about how he grew up in an extremely haunted house. As a result, coupled with my love of reading and all things spooky, my life has been smattered with the good, the bad, and the downright traumatizing. One of my earlier experiences has to do with the house my dad spent most of his teenage years in. When he was 15, my dad decided to take his leave of his parents' home and move in with his cousins in a small beach town called Port Dover. Many strange things took place in the house, from his aunt's religious needlepoint pictures swinging to seeing your breath in your bedroom at night, voices carrying with nobody else home, human apparitions, objects moved, Strong smells, the sounds of change dropping everywhere, ghostly parties downstairs late in the evening. You name it, the house probably did it. Despite the home being an absolute creep show, my dad cherished his years growing up there. Even if one of his pastimes had become taking the dog in the car and driving around until the others got home. And he took some keepsakes from the house when all of his older relatives had passed. Furniture, knickknacks, and such. One of the things he collected was an old Raggedy Ann doll. This doll used to sit on the top shelf of my closet when I was a child, and I can't tell you how much I despised it. Dolls freaked me out. Anyway, this particular doll brought with it reoccurring nightmares. What a delight. Well, yeah, it's a Raggedy Ann doll. Isn't that what thing is? Annabelle? Yeah. Maybe she's mad because she's called Raggedy. I mean, you got a point. The dreams associated with this doll always felt so lucid, so completely real. I would drift off to sleep in my bed and then snap, quote unquote, awake to abruptly notice that the doll had gone from its place on the shelf. Did I leave my closet door open? Nope. Mm -mm. In my dream state, I was always unable to move, feeling stuck with my arms by my side, but also filled with dread. The lack of noise always a roaring and a pressure in my head and ears. Suddenly, a man rises out of the floor, dressed as the doll. Nuh-uh. He was always smiling, looking disheveled and dirty. You mean raggedy? Uh, Just saying. But <laughs> and would lean closer to whisper nonsense in my face. Oh, my God. Gross, right? I know. No idea what his deal was. I would just try to squeeze my eyes shut if I was able to and force myself awake. I told my parents about the dreams, which continued until they finally relented and took the doll out of my room. Then the dreams stopped. I have to wonder if my experiences throughout life have to do with this home and all the things my dad had recovered from it, the antiques my parents enjoyed collecting, or if possibly one of us or more is just a magnet for these things. Continuing with the theme of all that is old, after my childhood home, my parents then decided to rent a heritage home in our town on the outskirts of Toronto. Yikes. 
The house had one closet upstairs in my bedroom, a beautiful upstairs bathroom, a spacious kitchen with a door to the backyard, a split living room, dining room, and an unfinished basement. One night, my parents had had some of their close friends over for dinner and drinks. Their girls and I played GameCube and hide-and-seek in the dark upstairs. Someone decided it would be a brilliant idea to bust out the good old Ouija board. No. As an after-dinner activity. How delightful. While cracking jokes and treating it as a hokey game, someone asked for a sign from any of the ghosts lurking in the dark corners of our house, and our backyard door promptly opened and slammed shut, setting off our alarm. Oh, goody. Also, one of the selling features in our home, obviously not found nor mentioned upon moving in, were the bones in my bedroom closet. What? Oh my god, there's literally skeletons in the closet. I'm just saying. (laughs) One summer before a family vacation, my dad went to put a few things away in my closet and his foot went through a section of the old hardwood. Lo and behold, he was oddly surprised to find a big old pile of dirt underneath the floorboards. After returning from our trip, he contacted our landlord, who, upon further inspection, found bones in the dirt. Oh, my God. The bones were taken to someone who determined the find to be a few human rib cage bones. So, it turns out, after all, that my aversion to having my closet curtains open at night and my cat having a campout spot in front of the space was not the working imagination of a kid that enjoyed scary movies and reading Harry Potter. The house always made me nervous. I can remember from the day we moved in. Sure, I also was unpacking with my nose in creepy Canada. The findings validated my feelings for sure. They obviously did the smart thing and didn't make me aware of their buried treasure, if you can call it that, until after we had moved. We did have some good experiences in our home, though. I distinctly remember one night years ago when my mom and I were having a good cry about missing her brother-in-law, my Uncle Keith. Keith had passed away of a not-so-well-known disease when I was young called hemochromatosis, or iron overload. Towards the end of his life, I remember him always wearing Vicks Vapor Rub. As we were talking about him and hugging one another, it was suddenly all we could smell— We scoured the house and couldn't find any whatsoever, but the smell was everywhere on the top floor. I like to think that it was Uncle Keith checking in on us and reminding us not to be sad. Finally, to our most recent townhouse. We have lived here for 12 years now, and I'm currently 26 years old. I spent the majority of my angsty teen years here, which likely contributed to some of the activity in the space. This is the house where I've had my few experiences with shadow people. For a little more than half of high school, it felt as though I was at war with my parents. They didn't understand me, and they couldn't handle their only child dating someone who was so manipulative. He isolated me from my friends and family. Frankly, looking back, I don't understand it myself, but those were the dark days, and we were all filled with anger, confusion, and resentment. The house itself was strange upon moving in. The people who owned it before us had carved symbols, goats for example, on the doors and closets, painted a lot of the rooms extremely bright colors, and even for the open house made no show of hiding the nook built off of the furnace space with the mattress on the floor and a lock outside the room. Sounds homey, right? 
We spent a lot of time and effort making it the place it is today, but not all right away. I had ugly wooden sliding doors in my bedroom until I made my dad take them off. One day I was riding the bus with said hated boyfriend when I pointed at the nearby graveyard. That was apparently a big no-no. His family was very superstitious, and he had said that I had just done a very disrespectful thing. I just wrote it off as him being silly and thought nothing of it. That night, I fell asleep with my TV on at about 1 a.m. and was startled awake by the sound of my closet doors violently shaking around 3.30 in the morning. My cat that liked to sleep with me shot off my bed with a hiss and left me to fumble to turn on my bedside lamp. Thanks, Ruby. I had pressed as closely as I could to my headboard and profusely apologized in my head while I turned on my lamp, and the shaking abruptly stopped. Doors came off soon after and were replaced by some moderately less threatening curtains. To this day, I still sometimes hear tapping in my closet. During this tumultuous time in our lives, I had the pleasure of hearing an angry voice accompanied by my two sightings of quote-unquote people in our home. Our townhouse is in the back of a little maze-like complex facing the path that leads to the drive-in entrance. One night, I was coming home in the dark, having just got off the bus and was making my way to the front door. My bedroom faces the front of the house, and from the pathway, there is a clear view to my bedroom. As I trudged up the laneway, I saw a freaking shadow figure standing in front of my window. It was tall and large with arms held at its side and no discernible features, and it was just standing there staring at me. No, thank you. Mm Mm-mm. I stood outside and paced on the phone with a friend until I looked up and it was gone. No good sleep to be had that night. On another occasion, I had come home late at night and quietly made it to my bed, leaving the door cracked open for Ruby when I heard someone hiss. Get out. What? I flipped over quickly to face the door with my stomach in my throat. Every time I looked quickly in the hall, I thought I saw figures crawling up the stairs to the hallway landing. I was paralyzed with fear. In the morning, after finally finding sleep, I looked in the hall and noticed scratches on the wall. I couldn't tell you if they were there or not before that night. In the house, I also have always hated the feeling of my parents' room, and I shut the door whenever I can and try not to stare in there too long. I always feel as though I'm being watched, and it's not a welcome sort of feeling. Recently, I had a dream of a ghostly, faceless-looking girl sitting in my mom's reading chair every time I investigated the dimly lit room. Gross. It's a no-go zone. My dad has also come downstairs in the early morning to the TV cabinet being open and the TV being left on. Sometimes our lights will flicker in the basement, And over the years of running up the stairs with my torso twisted to survey all angles and locking the door when I shower, I've mostly got used to the feelings I get in the home. I think a lot of the activity in the house calmed down as we mended our hearts and became closer again. I still occasionally get the sensation of pounding on the bottom of my bed, which seems to happen when I'm a little sleep deprived or feeling stressed. I sometimes wonder if it's the feeling of Ruby jumping on my bed to sleep on her never-moved comfy blanket, or if it's a departed family member checking in on me to make sure I'm okay. I'm going to stick with those options. Once I had come home to find a little kinder egg dinosaur assembled and sitting on my makeup desk, 
Although I was the one to eat the chocolate, to this day, no one has owned up to building the little toy. Wow. After making your eyes bleed, having, maybe possibly, read this entire saga of me and my blabber, I'll leave you with this last blurb about me and everyone else's ghost. Years ago, after my high school dating disaster, I was seeing a nice guy I met through a friend. When we were dating, his dad was always asking him to go visit his great-grandma on the weekends when he wasn't working. After she passed, I believe he felt extremely guilty for not doing so very often, as when we were young, we tend to believe our relatives are going to live forever. We attended her funeral, and I stayed over that evening. My boyfriend had just dragged himself into the shower, and everyone else in the house had gone to bed. We were nerdy night owls, and I was reading while trying not to doze off. As a brief aside, I had never met his great-grandana, and I would recognize everyone else's voice in the house. With my back facing the hall, I had my eyes closed and was in this in-between state of waking and sleeping when I heard a gruff older woman's voice yell, Hey! I jumped a mile high. When I got over the shock of being rudely awakened, I shot into the bathroom and sat on the floor while he finished showering. My feeling is that she was a no-nonsense woman, didn't want him to be sad, and she wanted him to know to let go of feeling guilty. Jumping back to most recently, a lot of my current experiences amount to feelings. I was having one day where I just woke up and decided it was going to be a bad morning, We all know the type. Rushing to get ready, grumbling to ourselves, forgetting things, and going back and forth, up and down. The best way I can describe it is that I felt extremely tense. I didn't see or hear anything, but as I was going down my stairs, I dropped something and swore. And then I just had this terrible feeling that something was right behind me. I felt startled, and I jumped, and then just blurted out, Stop! At the top of my lungs for no apparent reason. It was the feeling you get when someone jumps out and scares you, but there was no one else in the house. I got my boots and my coat on and left as quickly as I could. At both houses, I believe my grandpa and my current boyfriend's dad like to play with the lights. My grandpa's picture is on one of my mini bookshelves in my room. When we renovated the upstairs, I had brand new pot lights put into my bedroom. After his passing, I noticed that one light above his photo in the corner of my bedroom tends to flicker. Whether I'm worrying about something, crying and thinking of him, or my grandma's calling. I find the lights in my boyfriend's kitchen also flicker while we're all congregated in there laughing, cooking and chatting, or people are embracing. Sometimes when I'm by myself there cleaning or going on about my business, I get tingles and full body chills and I just say hello and smile. In contrast to my little townhouse, I can also comfortably walk around his big home in the dark. Luxury! I've had many more experiences over the years with friends and family members' homes, at the cottage, and once with something we all heard through the car radio. If you think you can make it through another giant email, I would be happy to send more of mine and my family stories for you, but I think I left you with enough for now. Thank you for being a place where I can listen, learn, relax, and enjoy. Your hard work is a major source of enjoyment for so many of us. Creep it real, your long-winded, wordy listener, Chelsea. As always, we had themes. Sometimes coincidence, like, oh my gosh, so many people from Canada. Sometimes heavier themes. And, and this episode had both. There were a few stories 
with people dealing with challenges with their mental illness and dying by suicide and and that type of thing. And just remember that there's help out there. If you feel like there's no way out, just know that there is. You can call the suicide hotline, call a friend, call someone, get help. These are incredibly trying times right now. I mean, 2020 has thrown us, I mean, literally everything it can throw at us, including murder hornets. I mean, it's like, are you kidding? The things that we've been through this year, but we are all going through it. No one is alone. So please just reach out for help if you need it. Thank you all so much for supporting us. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.